Welcome to One Hit Wonderful, the podcast where we're revisiting all those amazing reality shows that fortunately or sometimes unfortunately only had one season. Today we're going to be delving deeper into the world of Gallery Girls with episode three, Wild Child. I'm your host, Frank Pesanite III. And I'm Meredith Broadbeck. So, well, this was a lot. A lot of fucking notes, man. Yeah, it's... <laughs> <The> show's work. <laughs> It's like watching a documentary every episode. They're doing like a different person to focus on. It really, I think this is the show, um, even more so than the new, when we did the new episodes of The Hills, like the new beginnings and we had to do it every week. Um, I watched this the night before without taking notes so I can really pay attention. And then I take notes the next day. It took me an hour and a half to watch that 42 minute episode today with all the notes I was taking. I leave 90 minutes too. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. I mean, it's fun, but it's a lot. Um, so before um, we get into, um, oh, oh my goodness, what I'm help. I can't work my own phone. Um, okay, before we get into the caddy corner, let's do. I have just a soupçon of Twitter to go over. Um, first of all, I have to apologize to Heather. She sent us a DM on the six that I just saw today, um, for whatever reason, Twitter is not great about giving me push notifications for DMs. Um, I think it just hates me. Um, uh, so thank you very much for that, Heather. Um, it was just an article linking to the um, April 20th uh, People article about where are they now for the Gallery Girls, um, which is great. And after the end of the whole series, I'll post it on Twitter for everyone to see. Uh, then, um, We've got, uh, let's see, we really only have one. Um, so Chris MC hit us up and said, catching up on episode two, ever since Frank mentioned it, all I can think about is that Amy is so Jesse from NYC Prep. Um, yes, totally separated at birth, and it's really all I can see every time I watch the show. I know. I wonder if they would be friends. Oh, I, I don't know, because... I think they're almost like two alike. Well, two alike, but Amy pretends to, and I'm going to discuss this a little more later, but pretends not to be snobby while being snobby. While I feel like Jesse's whole personality is being snobby. So there's a little bit of a disconnect there. Yeah. Th yeah. <laughs> there's a style disconnect too, a little bit like, Amy is definitely a little more like Amy Pulitzer than Jesse, but I don't know that I would call Jesse fashionable either. Do you mean Lily Pulitzer? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say Amy? You said Amy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think we see Amy in Florida, so maybe that's where I. Uh, I'm sure. I mean, I think that they would definitely hang in the same social circles, but I almost feel like it's yeah, like they they're just enough alike that they would hate each other. Speaking of that clothing store, one time uh, my cousins wanted to go in one and they were cracking up and they said, like, if we pay you to try on one of these dresses, will you? And I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of anything less me than like bright pink flamingos with like a decorated top. Like, I just can't. I can't do it. <laughs> there's a, a little, well, there was, I don't, I'm sure it's closing now because they're all closing, but at the, in Rehoboth, there's a little teeny little Lily Pulitzer, like I, in the, I mean, it's like a cute little pink shack. Um, and they, like, all the clothes have, like, crabs and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, beach themed. Yep, of course, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, 
this episode's caddy catalog conveniently again is elizabeth margulies oh yay so i wanted to start liz's profile with a little more information about her dad who we conveniently meet this episode um and you know, watching this show at the time, I did not know who he was or why he was such a big deal in the art world. Um, but the show was filmed in 2010. Is that what we said? Or 2011? I think it was filmed in 2011, like the okay. end of 2011, because it aired in August of 2012. Okay. So um, Martin Margulies is his name. Uh, he is actually from New York, but he moved to Miami in the seventies to partake in like the real estate boom. Um, So he's a very successful real estate developer in Southern Florida. And he started collecting art and eventually had a sculpture garden on Grove Isle, which is some, I guess. Oh, that's a big deal. Yeah, exactly. So then as his collection got bigger, he and his partner, his curator decided to look at space to kind of start Um, a museum, for lack of a better word. And it was part of the revival of the Wynwood neighborhood in Miami, which I've heard about, but I've never been to Miami. So... Oh, you've never been to Miami? No, I haven't. Oh, you know what? Um, Maybe once quarantine is over, we need to take a little field trip to Miami. I would love that. I tried to get my husband to go just for like 72 hours. I was like, let's just go like eat Cubanos and lay around. And he didn't want to. Oh yeah. It's a long weekend at best, but yeah, we, I'll do it in a second. We should totally, I love Miami. All right. Write it down. Um, so anyway, he started his museum in this neighborhood and it's called the Margulies collection at the warehouse in 1998. And so this was only 10 years before this was filmed and his collection like really blew up and revitalized this neighborhood in Miami. And now the museum is over 50,000 square feet. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So he, he started his own museum based on his collection and his money. So he was a big deal and uh, he's donated a lot of money to museums over the years. He's a big philanthropist and he has a lot of um, his art at Florida international university. So he he was a big deal and he did represent a lot of money. So now it does make sense when Liz is introducing him to people why they're shaking in their shoes a little bit. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so that's that. As we know about Liz, she got her BFA from the School of Visual Arts and she finished it in 2014. So in this episode, we're hearing her talk about how much longer it's going to take her. It took her a while. Yeah. Because she was talking about classes she had to take as a senior. I assumed that meant that, like, next year she was going to be a senior, but I guess not. Yeah, same. I wonder if she took some time off. Uh, So I think the years on school were 2010 to 2014. Maybe it just messed up her plans she had for the following semester or something, but I thought that was interesting. Uh, Or, you know what, maybe it was classes she wanted to take now and was, like, pissed that she had to wait until her senior year. Yeah, maybe. Um... But after she finished her bachelor's, she got her master's in modern and contemporary art from the Sotheby's Institute and in 2016. Oh. She was in school for a long time. Yeah. And then after that, she was a director at Culture Corps, which is another art advising firm. Um, And she was there from the time she finished her master's until December 2017. Um, So like a year and a half. And then immediately after leaving that job is when she founded her own consulting firm in January of 2018. 
which of course is Elizabeth Margulies Art Consulting. Of they course. A, they have a very nice website and you can see some of her work and get examples of um, the press that she's gotten. Um, one some of, of her work like she's creating work or she some of the work are like the paintings that she picks for other people. Right. So she is now doing what we see Sharon doing in the show. Gotcha. Okay. That's so, what I figured. I was just going to be mortified if she's selling her art because I have a lot to say about that later. <laughs> um, so one of the um, clients that she touts on her website is that um, a private equity firm got this big new office at Hudson Yards in Manhattan and she like did their lobby. Oh, cool. Yeah. So she has some cool stuff. Um, and she still lives in New York. And as we know, she's still friends with Carrie. As of this September in 2020, she posted a picture with Carrie and another girl. Um, and she was recently in an art magazine with her dad. Oh. Uh, it was actually, it was about a year ago. Um, but it's linked on her website. It's Gallery Magazine, but it's spelled French. So G-A-L-E-R-I-E. Well, the um, same way my work is spelled. There you go. Um, and it's a really, it's a cute profile about how she grew up surrounded by art and is following in her father's footsteps. And there's a cute picture of them in his home in Miami, um, which after this episode, it was kind of nice to watch it come full circle for her. Um, nice. So another thing that I can't quite figure out, and if anyone has time and wants to try and dive even deeper than me... So Liz is pretty active on Instagram and you can see a good amount of what she's doing now. But as of like spring, early summer this year, she is pictured with a massive rock on her ring finger. Good for her. Yes. And she's holding a little chihuahua and it says, meet the newest member of the family. So of course I go to the chihuahua's Instagram and I see this chihuahua on a private jet. I see this chihuahua in a pool and I can still see just like the hand, the massive rock, and then there's mentions of how the dog loves daddy and you can see a man's arm. Total mystery. No idea who it is. Not tagged. Interesting. And even in her personal comments, someone says like, damn, let's talk about that ring. No response. So she's clearly engaged to someone and seems very happy, but I have no idea who that person is. Interesting. I like this. But all the pictures of the dog are taken in Texas. So. Ooh. I oh, her fiance is based in Texas. Um, I wonder if he is Vietnamese and from Houston because sidebar, all of you who have not yet need to go download HBO Max and watch House of Ho, the new reality show on HBO Max about this super crazy rich um, Vietnamese family in Houston. I had no idea there was so much money in Houston. Um, so I, perhaps. I believe that. Yeah, so perhaps. Or maybe it's like an oil magnet or something. Yeah, Maybe. I don't know, but she seems really happy and she's doing well professionally. So I'm happy for Liz. I'm happy for her too. And sidebar, I would like to say that I'm triggered by the gallery spelling because for those of you, I'm sure most of you listening have no idea where I work, but I work um, in a hair salon in a mall and the mall is called Moz Gallery and it's spelled that way. And when I text where I work to people like on dating apps and stuff, they correct my spelling and think I've spelled it incorrectly. And it drives me <laughs> fucking insane. And it doesn't help that the street that the salon is on is Jennifer Street, but it's spelled with one N. And so then also tell me that I've spelled that wrong. So it's soup's fun. Soup's fun. <laughs> <laughs> the Jennifer is actually probably worse. It is, yeah. People yeah. just think I'm, I mean, I, I am illiterate. I own it. I can't spell it all. So it's in, <laughs> it's not wrong to think that, but it's still annoying when I'm spelling something right and people think I'm spelling it wrong. Yeah, yeah. 
All right. Are you ready to dive into this busy episode? I am. And the very first thing I have to say is that I shazammed the opening song because I was curious to see if it was a real song. And it is. It is. Yeah. Um, Classic Girl by Deidre and the Park. Or Deidre and the Dark and the Dark. Yeah. My subtitles tell me that. I should have informed everyone. Oh, yeah. It's a cute cute song. song. Yeah. That's why I I, I looked up. I feel like it's one of the better theme songs we've had in our One Hit Wonderful Days. Agreed. Yes, yeah. agreed. I thought I you were going to save all time and I was going to have to like command no, like, justice said... <laughs> for Natasha Bangford. But... <laughs> I know you love that song. So much. So we open the episode and we are at Eli Klein. And Eli... Oh, real quick. I'm sorry. I meant to say this at the top. Yes. Guys, I'm struggling. So or I... <laughs> so we follow... I follow all of the people on the shows that we watch on Twitter. Like exclusively, we just follow the people from the shows and nobody else. Like yeah. on our personal Twitters, we follow whomever. Um, I may have to unfollow Eli Klein. Like he is a monster and he's like, uh, open New York up, herd immunity. Like the virus is a lie. Like I, it's making me crazy and I don't know how much longer I can continue to follow him. So I don't think you need to keep following him. My only suggestion is to m- mute him or just unfollow because who cares? Oh, that's true. I could just mute him. But he's, and he tweets a lot. Like he's like, that's the only notifications I get is from him. And it's really annoying. Oh, just unfollow him. We don't need what, we don't need to know what Eli Klein is doing. We have a pretty good idea already. But I'm sorry, (laughs) continue. I was just triggered for a minute. (laughs) Well, this scene is pretty triggering as well. (laughs) So Eli quote unquote feels bad about what he's about to ask Maggie to do, but no, he doesn't. And she asks, are you going to ask me to clean the bathroom? And she points out that he was nice to her when they had drinks, but now that they're back at work, it's all out the window. And he has her count the amount of pebbles in separate bonsai tree pots. Uh And they're not even pebbles. They're like chunks of dirt. Like there's not even count. So much to say about this. First of all, I finally figured out what their dynamic reminds me of. It's like the Lifetime movie version of the movie Secretary with Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yes. Yeah. Like 100%. Like, that's how he treats her. And my issue with it is that he, on the one hand, I get that these are pieces of art and he wants the pebbles to be the same in both boxes because people are going to be buying this art and one person should get more pebbles than the rest. But isn't that the fucking artist's job? Shouldn't the artist who created this work decide how many pebbles are in each uh, flower box or whatever? Like, why is that Maggie's doing? I don't know. And also, just mark a line on the side of each so that they're each like one inch below, you know, the top of the container. You don't need to count them. Like, well, there weren't even enough to do a line. Like, I mean, they were scattered throughout the dirt. Like, the whole thing was, it's, it, he's belittling and demeaning her on purpose because he gets off on it. And it's yeah, gross. Yeah. And, and then he takes, he takes Liz to get food while Maggie's counting dirt. Um, and speaking of poor Maggie, I have to send you something because, um, did you happen to notice poor Maggie's forehead when she was counting the pebbles? I'm sending you a picture. She needs, someone needs to get her an exfoliant stat. Um, I did it both in color and black and white because you know how the TV gets wavy sometimes. So you can really see I'm sending you right now. Um, you need to post it to our, um, to the Instagram. Oh no. Uh, Let me know when it finally comes through. But I was pretty fucking horrified. I think it'll take a minute because my phone's being really stupid and weird today. 
Okay. Um, so while you're waiting, we can talk about um, dinner. So, oh, yeah. There we go. It should have so, come through now. Okay. Not yet, but it will. So Eli takes Liz to get food and, you know, she's, she's a picky eater, but I guess understandably so because she must have celiacs or a gluten intolerance of some kind. And so she has to ask all these specific questions. And I imagine in 2011, that was not as common as it is now. Agreed. And then she gets a, you know, a tap Coke and it tastes like soap. And so she sends it back. And then she asks Eli about opening his gallery and gets a, what looks like a very long speech about how much he loves China. Um, I was too distracted by her delicious looking avocado stuff with chicken. Like I liked the things she ordered. <laughs> Do you see the picture come through? Oh yeah. It's bad, right? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, it's not good. Like I shrieked when it showed up on my TV. It's a lot, yeah. That's like yeah. what happened to me when I used that Moroccan oil conditioner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are allergic to that. Yeah, it gives me a rash across my forehead, guys. You got you missed that. That was pre-podcast days. <laughs> um, so anyway, then we get this really funny montage of like Liz making fun of Eli and how many times he says the word China. Which it just goes to show you like how much Bravo has evolved because if this was on today, there would have been a count at the bottom of the screen. I know. If they do on house license, it would have been like one, two, three. Um, I was also traumatized by Eli's disgusting helmet hair. Like he's, what the fuck, dude? He's like so how much did you use a whole bottle of gel and that mess on your head? And it just makes you look a hundred times more bald. Um, and also why wasn't Eli eating? I don't know. Like, I get that she was only having appetizers, but usually, I mean, if you go to a restaurant and you just order appetizers or entree, they say, like, do you want them to come out first or do you want them to come out with the entree? And you say, I want them to come out with the entree so I can eat at the same time as my dining companion. He was just, like, staring at her and watching her eat. It was weird. He's, he's the one that said, do you want to go get food, implying yeah. that he was hungry. Yeah. I don't know. I do not understand. I don't either. And they never tell us the name of that restaurant. It's right across the street. Because I'm trying to be really good about, like, looking up all the restaurants and they don't say. Yeah. Well, then poor Maggie comes upstairs and wants to know where they are. And they're gone. Yep. Maggie's all alone. So then we Also, like, did they lock the gallery when they left? Because if Maggie is in the back, any old fool could have walked in off the street, grabbed a picture off the wall or a computer and left. I know. I had the same thought. I mean, I guess there are cameras there, so I'm forgetting that for a second. I'm suspension of disbelief, but like, that's weird. Yeah, I don't think it's safe to only leave an intern in the gallery. No, and not especially, even tell her you're leaving. Especially because she's not at the front desk and she's downstairs counting pebbles and could be surprised by anyone. Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't lock her in. He probably did. So she couldn't get out. Yeah, so... Then we go to end of century and they are installing a new artist in the gallery. Ethan Cook. <laughs> Ethan Cook, that's right. And he is an abstract minimalist painter and Claudia calls his work smart and satirical. And Chantal says Ethan's work is actually mind boggling. And at first you think that she thinks it's mystifying. And then she says, I don't get it at all. And I agreed with so many things that Chantal said in this scene. I was about to say, this was my least favorite scene in any episode we watched because it made me be on Chantal's side and I did not care for it. I Same. felt dirty. I did not like it at all. So 
let's talk about this art real quick because you know we need to describe it so it looks like to me the original windows like microsoft windows desktop background like it's just like clouds i i get that and i also it reminded me of the movie poster for the robin williams movie toys which is also just clouds right except it looked like it was spray painted to me did you get that vibe Oh, no, I didn't, but I didn't, like, pause it and look up that close. It looked like just different shades of blue spray paint going horizontally across canvas to me. Um, And then he has two pieces that are wood framing. Frames. They're built on top of one another, so it's just, like, six frames. I guess it's meant to look sort of, like, Quaker, like, folk art-ish, but I don't understand the two together. I don't get it. I'm with Chantal. I don't get it. I uh, This is where um, Claudia really lost me. Like, really lost me. Like, I was on Chantal's side in the placement of the art on the walls. Like, me I didn't too. think both of the frames should have been next to each other. Um, I was with her on the pricing. I also, I'm very confused because Ethan Cook says, um, I want to do something similar to Lauren's pricing, which was the previous artist. Well, hers were priced at seventy five hundred. I very much remember that, and his are priced at twelve hundred. So how, that's not similar in the least. No, uh, uh-uh. uh. And her that previous artist was much more interesting. Obviously, it was. I liked the other art. I liked her work better. Me too. So I was also just dying inside watching these young people arrange. You know, what they're six pieces total, like two per wall four things that look exactly the same and then two things that look exactly the same and they are it's like they're taking their sats like they just Mm -hmm. can't figure out the right formula to make it look great it's so ridiculous and then chantal moves this thing and she's totally right claudia gets mad but lets her do it anyway and then they sit down to discuss pricing because claudia hasn't done that yet with the artist And Chantal says that it's embarrassing to watch and that it's something that Claudia should have done before even installing with him. And I agree tenfold. A hundred thousand percent. I mean, I was so cringy when Claudia was like, when he was like, what's your commission? And she says like, 50%, is that okay? And I'm like, "Uh, uh, if I was the artist, I would have been like, no, 20. Like, you needed to be forceful. And he luckily was very nice and was like, oh yeah, that's industry standard. Like, that's fine. I didn't realize as a, you know, not so all of my artists from World Market, more or less. So it's not like I know anything about- Oh, by the way, how are you doing with the closing of the Friendship Heights location? Don't even, I'm, I should be in all black right now. Don't even get me started. I know, I'm I'm sorry. I should have reached out. I I shed a tear, so I'm very sorry. I didn't reach out. I don't know where I'm going to buy cards for people anymore. Like it's, it's traumatizing. I don't, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, but, but I didn't realize that art was what, I didn't realize it worked like all retail. I mean, cause for people who've never worked in retail, generally the markup is a hundred percent, like you, it's double. Um, and so I didn't realize that art worked the same way. No, me either. Um, I assume galleries were getting like maybe 20%, 30 max. Yeah. Same. I was surprised that it was 50, but Claudia it's, she just bungles the whole thing. It's not good. Oh Yeah. It was really hard to watch. And it, it kind of now, it sort of circled things around for me. And it makes sense why she was the financial backer. Yeah. Because in this episode, we see like Chantal really steps to the plate and like sells some shit and makes some money for that gallery. So like maybe that is like, maybe Claudia, that's why she was the money behind it because she's not good at the retail end of it. 
I was just surprised too that she's had a job at a gallery or an internship or whatever because she said that and she doesn't want to go back to working a big one but I was surprised that she didn't have more like chutzpah about it you know like well actually Ethan this is standard for us I know we're new but we do xyz like she had no token bullet points she was just sitting there awkwardly it was very but now that I think about it, should we be surprised? Because she lets um, Chantal and the other one, who, by the way, was barely in this episode. Lara, yeah. Um, run roughshod all over her, and she says nothing. I know. Like, she never puts her foot down with them. So, I mean, should we be surprised that she was so, like, meek and timid about all of this? It's kind of on brand for her. That's true. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens later. Then Liz is cooking lobster with her mom. And... Anne, thank you, I missed her name. Um, and she talks about how close she is with her mom. And it's, I thought it was really cute that they're cooking lobster and then her mom realizes that she doesn't have something to put over like her outfit. And then they both just wear like crappy t-shirts together over their clothes. <laughs> I, for some reason, I thought that was really cute. Her mom like is pretty fabulous looking, but is just sitting there in like this disgusting white t-shirt eating lobster. Well, but I couldn't figure out if her mom had her later in life or just does not look that great for her age. I don't know. Her father looks older too, though. Well, but I just assumed that he was like a rich older guy with who a younger wife, like at one point. I know she's the ex-wife, but like I just figured that his wife was younger than him when they got married because she, because Liz is what, 24? Yeah, probably. And how old do you think her mom? I thought her mom looked like 65. Yeah. Well, Which means she had her when she was like 41. She could be the, like the baby of the family. Oh, maybe. Does she have siblings? I, she might. I don't know. Oh. I didn't see. I just assumed that her mother um, did not look great for her age, but that's just me. Could be. I mean, all that Miami sun, you know? Yeah. True. True, 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 true. <laughs> And maybe, I mean, I'm being harsh. Like, kudos on her. She obviously hasn't had any work done, which is very impressive these days. So, yeah. oh, which, by the way, sidebar, um, did you read the new thing about the Moderna vaccine? No. That one of the side effects can be if you have dermal fillers, it makes them, like, completely plump up and go insane. <laughs> oh, man. All the Bravo celebrities, they're screwed. Yeah, they better get the Pfizer. They're going to be in big fat trouble. Oh, my God. That's funny. Um, so they're talking about, you know, Liz's relationship with her dad, which is sort of the theme of this episode, and how when she goes home, I'm guessing they're talking about when she goes home for Art Basel, because that's a future episode, that she's yeah. not going to stay with her dad. And that her dad has had a hard time reconnecting with her since she went to rehab, and that she's still trying to kind of get that back with him. Um, but she's very close with her mama, she says, and then after eating a whole lobster, she says she's still hungry, so that made me love her. Um, I love Liz. She's definitely my, she and Carrie are, are my favorites and she's my favorite favorite, but I have a little issue with her and it came out in this episode. Is she a little xenophobic against Asians? Yes. Because she made the Asian comment with her mom at dinner. She yes. makes another Asian comment at school. And I think it's really interesting that she works at a Chinese art gallery. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, she's definitely like, I, I found it off putting like all of the Asian comments. I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. No, definitely. She says it a lot in this episode in particular. Yeah. Her mom, her mom asks if the people in her building also go to SVA. And Liz is like, what makes you say that? That they're Asian? Yeah, because they're all Asian. 
yeah. There were a lot of Asian students in her class, but that's one class we're seeing her take, so. Well, but I paid attention when I watched tonight, and yes, there were some Asian students in her class, but they were still big time outnumbered by the Caucasian students. So it's not like she was, I mean, I don't think like four or five Asian students in your class of 20, 25 people would, would relegate a comment like that. Like, I don't. I know. I just, she seems a little, a little anti-Asian to me and I'm not here for it. Yeah, that's fair. So then we go to Angela's apartment and we get a little vignette of her at her other job, which is waitressing. That's clearly how she pays the bills. Um, Which she says, and I will say this, like I am impressed that one of these girls has a real job. Yeah. And is truly supporting herself. Yes. Is she, she's the only one, I guess. Yeah. Well, Chantal, I guess, models on the side. I don't know. That is not a real job. Yeah, we'll get, I think we get more about that later. Um, anyway, so we see Angela working at her waitressing job, which um, looked kind of intense, at least in the moment that we saw. It was a busy place and she was, you know, being a barista and a waitress and all yeah. the things. And she also said she makes money from doing freelance event photography. Um, so beautiful people out and about is what Angela says. And then Alex shows up her neighbor and friend with the coffee and her and her gay friends, like, first of all, and I hate that I am now sounding like the, some social justice warrior on this episode of our podcast, but, um, I, and I, I get that nine years ago was a different time and things have changed and people speak differently and I may not have offended me then. But her whole, like, I have gays, I have multiple gays. How would she feel? And she's like, gossipy gays, and I go to them for fashion advice. How would she feel if I was like, I have Asians? I know. I have Asians, and I go to them when I need help with math. Like, it's it's gross. Like, stop it. I mean, I get that she's an ally and fine, but she's really, I'm sure they're genuine friendships in real life, but on the show, she's making it seem like they're accessories, and I am not here for it either. No, it's annoying. But the point of this scene is that Alex is helping her get ready for an event um, called the Creators Project in Dumbo. Um, it kind of looks like what Artomatic was in DC. It does, yeah. It did remind me. I mean, like a nicer version of Artomatic, but yeah, for sure. Yeah, so it's kind of like a bunch of artists getting together and displaying in a space and they have a cool event. And she was hired by Paper Magazine to take photos, which is a big deal. Which I, yeah, I was going to say, I was pretty impressed by that. That is a big deal. It was, a, I mean, I think Paper was a lot smaller in 2011, but it was still a big deal. Like that's the one that Kim Kardashian did the champagne photo for. So Yeah. But right? in, the, in New York, even in 2011, it was a big deal. It was, like yeah. it was a, Like, it, it was a very big deal if you, to see and be seen to have your picture in Paper Magazine is a big deal. So the fact that she was taking the pictures, yeah. um, that's impressive. Yeah. So um, she's trying on outfits. She's got some wild ones, that's for sure. And Alex... I didn't hate the pink one. Oh, I thought it suited her too. Like the quilted blanket one that the, her Alex hated. I liked it. I thought she could pull it off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was like a quilt. It almost looked like little girls bedding in a pantsuit. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. I mean, I would have paired different shoes with it and done something different with their hair, but like, I liked it on her. Yeah. Um, so he compliments her because she got a little skinnier and then she decides that she's going to go with what she calls her Puritan slut outfit. And I don't think she knows what a Puritan looked like because it actually is a little native American inspired. Oh, I think that the Puritan part was the hat. 
yep, still didn't still didn't work, but <laughs> it looked western. Yeah, it did look a little western. I mean, I thought it was cute. I mean, it was very like Williamsburg. I know. I did not understand the shoes with it though. No. Yeah. That. Well, that was the interesting thing is those shoes seem to be every outfit. Like she every outfit she tried on, she wore the same shoes with. I, I know. thought it was weird. She had one pair of shoes. Yeah. And I get that she says fashion first, which fine. There are a lot of people who feel that way. But as a, an event photographer, you also need to be able to like move around and like be relatively comfortable in order to take pictures, I think. But whatever. Well, but the other thing too is that anytime, and granted I have not been to an event or a club like this since I was in my 20s, but anytime I was somewhere where there was an event photographer on staff, they tried to blend. Yeah. Like you, you don't want to see them. Like they, they're, they usually wear all black. They blend in the background because they don't want you necessarily noticing them because they're just taking pictures. Like I, you, you don't stand out if you're an event photographer, if you're doing it right. No, you sure don't. You sure don't. Also, I suffer for fashion. How? Those shoes weren't that fucking high. Like calm down, bitch. No. How are you suffering? I was suffering having to look at you in that hat. Yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> um, so then we go to the Uptown Art Fair. Carrie and Amy are going to an event with Sharon. Um, excuse me. And it's an art fair where sort of like art advisors and clients and, you know, people who own galleries and stuff go browse art. So it's not unlike what the EOC and Brooklyn girls are doing, but it's a more upper crust, more moneyed version, obviously. Um, and we meet one of Sharon's clients, Jordan Schnitzer. Who is a businessman from Portland. And a well-known philanthropist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like Sharon, by the way. Just Love her. Yeah. Love her. I would so, watch a show about her all day long. Me too. Um, I like the things that she wears. Like she wears some quirky stuff later we can talk about. But I like that she invited in two interns to this event and she gave them an exercise. It wasn't just about, you know, walking around the event and being useless. She gives them an assignment, which is actually, you know, if you want to do art advising, I like the assignment she gives them. Yeah, I mean, it's going to help them learn. Yeah. So Sharon has each of the girls pick a piece of art, um, you know, browse the fair at their own speed and they're going to meet up with her and they're going to sort of explain to her why they chose the piece that they chose, why they think it would work for a client, what drew them to it, etc. So they kind of give her a little presentation later on of the pieces that they chose. Um, the one takeaway I had from this scene, and it's been driving me crazy since we started watching the show, I finally figured out who Amy's hair inspiration is coming from. Yes, please. Miss Piggy. Yes. She has Miss Piggy's hair. Yeah. I think she must have, and I'm, I'm here, I'm team Miss Piggy. I love fucking Miss Piggy. I <laughs> think she must have been obsessed with the Muppets as a child and was like, that's the hair I'm going to have for the rest of my life because that's whose hair she has. It's the same color. It's got the same curl. Yeah. Miss Piggy hair. It looks like it has the same texture. It's a hundred percent. Miss Piggy's is probably softer actually. Yeah. So of course this is classic Amy and Carrie too. Amy breezes around this art fair. Like she's been to a thousand before she calls things boring. She's like, no, no, no. Carrie. I love Carrie. Carrie's just taking her time. She's absorbing everything. She's asking questions. There's one scene where she's, or one shot where she's asking this woman about something having to do with a piece of art. And then they show you the art and it's like a boring old map, but Carrie's mm -hmm. just lost in it. Right. It's like, she's never seen a world map before. It's just, it shows their personalities so, so much. 
Well, because the fundamental difference between the two of them, and I feel like I was an Amy when I was young and then became a Carrie. So Carrie is truly trying to learn something from this experience. Amy is just trying to prove she knows everything with this experience. Yeah. And once you learn that, once you realize that, like, when you do experiences, like, they're to learn. Like, they're to learn. I mean, like, when I used, used to go to hair classes when I was, like, in my early 20s, I was, I was all about just, like, showing that I knew everything. And I knew what I was doing. And now when I go, I'm like, I want to learn everything. Like, I want to act like I know nothing. Like, teach me everything. And that's how Carrie operates. And that's why she's more successful. Amy walks in the door being like, I'm going to prove to you that I'm the best. And I don't have anything to learn. And that's a terrible way to be. Yeah. So then we go back to the, oh no, we arrive at the Creators Project event in Brooklyn. Um, of course, Angela meets up with Chantal and Spencer and Claudia and she's taking pictures and then she just transitions into taking pictures of her friends for the rest of the evening. I will say this though, I liked her photography. The pictures they were showing that she took, I liked them. Yeah, I like them. Yeah, like I think um, she's a good photographer. Yeah, I mean... She still is one, I think. We'll yeah. There. But, um, but that's really all that happens is she says, like, I would rather take pictures of my friends. And then that's what she does. I would be curious to see, I mean, because I'm sure they were there for multiple hours. And I bet that Bravo edited it to look like she just took pictures of her friends. But I'm sure she took pictures of everybody. I would be curious to know how that works with, like, the, you know, the magazine that hired her. So, like, if she's a photographer who shoots digital do they just want a certain number of shots from her? Like, how does that work? Is it by the hour and however many she takes or by the number? Like, I'm just curious about the contract of it all. You know, that's a really good question. I don't know. Um, I used to have, well, I'm trying to think if Russell, how did Russell get paid? Um, uh, well, Russell Hershon. You know oh, Russell. He, oh yeah. He, that's what he did. That was one of the things he did, but I don't know how he got paid. Um, I, ha I think he got paid by the event. I think it was like a flat rate. Yeah. So I think it would be like, oh, you're getting 500 bucks for this or, oh, you're getting a thousand bucks for this. And then, you know, they submitted the pictures and whatever. But yeah, that's what Russell used to do. Yeah, interesting. He did it for W Magazine. He did it for a couple of magazines. I mean, maybe it's just understood that you, like, you know you have to deliver a certain, like, you can't show up <laughs> and get paid and then send them 50 photos. You know, like there's probably just like an understanding there, but anyway. And I think the way it works too, is that especially with her, I bet that she doesn't curate them. I bet she just is like emails them. Like here's all the pictures I took, oh, yeah. figure out which ones you want. Yeah, for sure. Um, and this is where we find out that Angela wants to put on a show and legitimize herself. Yes. That's her phrase, not mine. So then we go to Dorian's bar. And Which is at 1616 7th, um, 16th, 2nd Avenue on the Upper East Side. It is still in existence. And on the website, their tagline is, and I wrote all this down, <laughs> serving NYC's smartest, most fun, and most influential folks, friends, and family for over 50 years. Okay. Way to go, Dorians. Um, so Amy is there, like, whoa. And Maggie shows up with her boyfriend and her friend, Eric, who Amy begged her to bring. Um, and Amy's wasty face again. Amy is wasty face. And I was a little, I like Maggie, but I was a little, eh, when Maggie said, um, I like it there because it's full of normal people. And by normal people, I think she means rich white people. 
Yeah, and she says they'd never let anyone from Brooklyn in there. Yeah. Yeah. Or probably people of color or gay people. I mean, I was just like, this is gross. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was gross. And so then Amy brings Maggie to the ladies' room, presumably to talk about this guy, Eric. And Maggie says something about how he has a nice apartment. And then drunk Amy goes on and on about how that doesn't matter to her. You know, she could care less about his money. And Maggie said, oh, I didn't say he had a lot of money. <laughs> and she says, I'll never be that type of girl. She says, um, show me a guy who's broke, who lives in a trailer park that's cute, who's going to be a good man. I don't need money. I'm finding love. And she's just going all and see, in on this. And argument. that's what I mean about her difference between her and Jesse. Like Jesse is, would want like a trust fund kid, like someone like that. Amy thinks it's like edgy and cool to date a poor person. She wants like a mook. She wants like a big, muscular, dumb, poor person. And yeah. she thinks that's really edgy and cool. And it would probably, it would be like an accessory to her. Like I'm going to bring this guy around all my rich friends and all my society friends. And like, they're going to, it's going to make me look down to earth. And newsflash Amy, it doesn't. And I was traumatized for every other patron of that bar who needed to use the bathroom. Get the fuck out of the bathroom. Those people all need to do cocaine. You are taking up the bathroom that with a camera crew, no less. Like, get out of the bathroom, ladies. Yeah. I also, so Amy is drinking light beer. And I realized that I could put down a serious number of light beers back in the day, I suppose. But like, she is wasted. And I'm wondering how many light beers deep she is. Oh, I'm sure she's doing shots. I'm sure oh, it's go. shots and light spears, like a hundred percent. I bet she's done like 10 tequila shots. I was going to say, like, if she has any more light beer, she's going to bust a zipper on her Lily Pulitzer. Like, yeah, no, 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 no. That's, <laughs> that's for sure. There's a lot of shots going down. I, I also, I, the days of young people getting like overdressed to go to dive bars. I don't miss that, man. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that's college when you wear heels to a dive bar that like people vomit on the floor. Like, oh, <laughs> gross. Um, I did love, though, I, Maggie, for me, like, I was laughing. I literally laughed out loud when Maggie said, I'm scared she might flush me down the toilet. My only saving grace is that she needs another beer. <laughs> like, that was pretty, that was really funny. Like, that was really, really funny. Yeah. So then we go to the School of Visual Arts, and we see Liz in class. And, you know, I did not go to art school. I got my master's. Um, so I have a master's of art, but not a fine art. And it made me so happy that I never pursued art. Cause I used to, I used to love art as a kid and I used to want to pursue it. And this made me so happy that I did not. To be honest. <laughs> um, so they're getting their in-class assignment in her drawing class, which is to make a collage actually, not a drawing, which I found interesting. And the professor tells them that he wants them to imagine they're seeing a landscape out of a plain window. And the professor's name is John Brugeri. Oh, good for you. Um, and so, you know, I, I guess what they make is semi-interesting, but I didn't understand the drawing element of it, given that there, you know, there's newspaper involved, there's string involved, there's some glue. You know, it's a collage. It's not what I would consider a drawing, but... Well, wasn't she doing some, like, charcoal-y stuff to it? And that's why he said, so those of you who haven't seen this, the yeah. big issue that happens during this and where she makes yet another Asian xenophobic comment is um, someone steps on her art yes. and leaves a shoe print, which what was it doing on the floor? Like, don't they work on tables? I couldn't figure out why it was on the floor. 
So I noticed other pieces were on the floor too. I wonder if they were drying something in the sun so that it like was drying faster. Cause she was putting like glue on there and stuff too. Maybe, but I mean, he did. Cause at one point he was like, oh, it kind of works and you can smudge it and you can. So I think there was some smudging going on with maybe yeah. like pencil. So there was a little element of drawing, but I, I mean, yeah, it was mostly like fabric and stuff. Yeah. Um, and you know, the professor is, he likes Liz a lot and he likes her work and he's very supportive of it. But, and I don't remember what he said, but when he's reviewing the piece, I was like, I don't understand what he said. <laughs> like he had a, you know, something about the previous iteration didn't work, but post footprint, it really works for him. And I was like, sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she, Liz is like the sneaker print patrol and she's getting really angry and she feels like people did it on purpose because she's a rich girl and she says quiet little Asian people. Yeah. Because they're, they're all afraid of her, apparently. It's not, it's not the greatest. It's not, but apparently she fancies herself Godzilla, so. Yeah, yeah. All the quiet Asian people are scared of her. Yeah. And I didn't hate her collage or anything, but I was just like, man, I'm glad I never went to art school. That was more the Yeah, I thought her collage was fine. I was a little sad that she didn't make everyone take off their shoes so she could really, like, fully investigate the souls and figure out exactly who did it. I was kind of hoping for that moment, but yeah, didn't get it. I know. So then we go to Steak Frites. Closed forever. Closed, closed no longer forever. exists. Yep. And Carrie and Amy are meeting up with Sharon to present their pieces from the art fair they went to. And Sharon's jacket is from the future. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it too. I loved it. It reminded me of, I don't, now I'm forgetting, but it was kind of like Jetson-y, you know, it was like mm -hmm. plasticky and, you know, I was here for it. She was having a fashion moment and I liked it. I was, me too. I'm with you. So she asks them to present you know, one piece each, at least that we see on camera from the art fair that really spoke to them. Carrie goes first. And so she shows a picture on her Blackberry. Um, so it's kind of hard to see what it is. But she explains that she really liked, first, she was drawn to all the color. And it sort of, it almost looks like a watercolor where paint is running down, um, at least in the faraway crappy Blackberry photo that we see. But then Carrie explains that the artist used um, different colors of plastic bags that she gathered from visiting different countries mm -hmm. and was inspired by her travels, et cetera, et cetera. And that Carrie really liked the piece because it had an interesting story to tell. And that's why she chose that piece. Sharon thinks it's really cool. She said that's definitely a piece that she would choose. Who's the artist? Dudenay? I didn't get the artist. And I, it was taking me so long to take notes that I didn't have time to rewind. And It was... Dudenay is what I have in my notes. I don't, I don't know how to pronounce that, but I thought that's what Sharon said. But anyway, Sharon is impressed and she says that that's something she also would have picked. So then Amy shows hers. We don't see it at all. She picks a Damien Hurst. And we already saw Sharon buy a Damien Hurst for a client a couple episodes ago. So I don't know the timeline of this exercise, but, you know, Amy basically picked something from a very famous contemporary artist. So Sharon was not as impressed. And then Amy in her confessional is very mad and says, well, Carrie got lucky. No, well, she, I, she took the time to think about it. I, um, I zoned out a little bit because anyone who did not see this coming from 100,000 miles away when they were given the assignment should no longer watch reality TV because you don't understand. Like this yeah. was such an obvious setup by the producers and by everybody. Of course. Um, but yeah, I loved that. Like what Amy said was Carrie got lucky because she happened to pick something that, um, that she liked. Well, that was the assignment, you dumb bitch. Like I what know. do you, 
Like that's not luck. Like the assignment was like, pick something that I'm going to like to sell to my clients. It wasn't luck. Carrie did it. You didn't like you yeah. breeze through the gallery. You think you know everything and no one can teach you anything and you, you blew it. Yeah. That, that was the job that Carrie just did. So then we briefly go to end of century and Chantal to her credit again is getting in new jewelry from an artist, Nettie Kent, because she Mm -hmm. has decided to do a trunk show so that they can showcase some of the work and make some money at the same time. Shocking concept. I know. Make money when you own a retail store. Yeah. Who would have thought? She calls it a presentation with a profit. Now, I looked up Nettie Kent's website. I don't know if you did. I did. Um, she still exists. Um, her jewelry is moderately placed. Um, some things were, I thought, like, she has a $60 hair tie, which I think is insane. Um, but the necklaces were all, like, between one and 200 um, And half of it was sold out. Okay. Like, she had, I want to say there was maybe, like, 20, 30 pieces, and literally half of them it said sold out. So okay. well, she seems good. to be doing well. I liked a few of the things that I saw at the trunk show. Yeah. Um, you know, from far away anyway. So after this brief scene at end of century, then we have to go on a date with Angela. And I have a lot to say about this. Yeah. So we go to dressing room on the lower East side. Closed. No longer exists. (laughs) (laughs) Theme of the episode. Yep. And it was one of Angela's favorite bars, apparently. Well, and it's, I looked it up, and it's kind of like Maketo here, where one floor is a bar, one floor is a vintage clothing store, and one, I can't remember the other, it was three floors, and each floor was a different thing, but only okay. one floor was the bar. Okay. And she's going on a date with Peter Bogdaris? Uh-huh. Bogdaris? I, I looked him up. I know everything about him. Do it. Go. Um, so, he is a photographer. Um, in 2012, so just not long after their date, he won a Guggenheim Fellowship. Um, his art is actually amazing. Like I looked, I at his, could tell. His I, I looked at his much. photographs; they're amazing. And now the other thing that shocked me a little bit about him was she kept mentioning his age, and I was like, he looks like he's like 35. What is she talking about? Well, he actually was born in 66, so he was 45 when they filmed this. So I think he looks great. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, have, you, have you seen a recent picture of him without his glasses? Yeah. He's cute. Yeah, I know. He's very cute. Wow. And he, he puts out these amazing art books. Like he's a big deal. Like she should have been sucking up to him big time. Like he's a, a big deal photographer. Also. So I knew this was going to be the case. I meant to look him up before too. He says on the date that he takes pictures of trees, which Angela finds very boring. They're stunning photos. They're, I told, they're gorgeous. They're absolutely yeah. gorgeous. And they're black and white, so he makes trees look, like, very dramatic and human. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah. No. Okay. Not surprised. Anyway. <laughs> so. <laughs> God damn her. So she, um, hold on. Now I lost my place in my notes. There we go. So she says that she has a fantasy of a middle-aged man in the midst of a midlife crisis. Ew. Ew. I know. He's not in a midlife crisis. Apparently, he was moments away from finding out he was a Guggenheim fellow. So he's great. He's good. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you just want an older man. Just say that. Just say that you like older men. That's it. But the then, only thing I can take comfort about all of this is that I'm assuming that if she was to watch this back now, nine years after it was filmed. She's horrified. She's I'm sure. mortified. Yeah. Mortified. Yeah. So she 
the fact that he shoots on real film is a turnoff to her, which I actually don't believe. I feel like even people who are digital photographers really respect people who aren't. Of course. And she she obviously took photography classes where she's done it both ways. I would think she would find it very interesting. And she is being a little snob about it. And she's being very ageist about it as well. Yeah. And he doesn't have Facebook and he doesn't have an iPhone and he doesn't have Gmail and all this stuff. Um, And she says she doesn't want a man who doesn't have those things. And she wants to see his phone. It's like a crappy little flip phone. She says, oh, I think it's dead. And he says, no, I turn it off. And she's yeah, like, because that's what you do on a date. Like you, yeah. I do not, if I'm on a date, I do not touch my phone. The only time I will look at my phone is if I go to the, like if I have to go to the bathroom, I'll look real quick to see if I've got it. But that's it. Like yeah. a real normal adult, like you'd keep your phone off when you're on a date. It's the polite thing to do. I also, I, I mean, I'm bad about scrolling on my phone when I'm watching TV and other things, but I love ignoring my phone. Yeah. Like if I happen to leave it in a corner for like four hours sometimes, like I don't mind. Yeah. I really don't. But good for you. Um, so Can we then, talk about the um, food? Let me know when you're ready to talk about that because I yeah, have a lot. Yeah, so Angela says that coriander is her favorite herb. Herb. Oh herb. my God. <laughs> I was screaming at the TV. I'm like, no, my favorite herb is Herb Alpert. Like, what the fuck, bitch? Like, you're so, I'm so cool. It's herb, herb, herb. And as someone who does not know how to pronounce H words, like, I, it is, is egregious to me. So then poor Peter tells this story about how he ate a live prawn in Korea. And it's, it's kind of like the montage we got with Eli talking about China. Angela's just totally zoned out and not listening to a thing he's saying. And then did you happen to see Angela's cocktail? No, her martini or whatever it was. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a lychee martini. Shut up. It was a white cloudy martini. Oh yeah, true. I bet it was a lychee martini. I screamed. How dare she drink shame Amy and then order it herself? Yeah, I'm not. It, it's on brand for her. It had a lime on the side. Yeah, it's on, it's on brand for her. Oh my God, I was mad. I was well, I mean, the other thing is, unlike Eli's story, like the snippets of this guy's story, I found interesting. And I bet they were fascinating. I mean, I mean, he was talking about probably traveling through Asia and yeah. his art and photography. And like, if you want to be a photographer, learn from those who have gone before you. Like, I don't like, I also, so I get that they didn't have chemistry and she didn't want to go on another date with him or whatever, but I would just think photographer to photographer, she would have been a little more interested in just things he was saying. Yeah. I mean, I've been on many dates with someone that I have no chemistry with, but like, I'll find out they're into real housewives or whatever and can still have an amazing, great conversation. Like just because you don't want to fuck somebody doesn't mean that you can't have a nice time. Yeah. Well, you're very good about that. But, you know, Angela is proving herself not good at it at all. No, not at all. (laughs) So then she says her fantasy is shattered and she's decided no one above 40 and no one above 40th Street. Fair enough. I wouldn't say the takeaway was that he seemed particularly uptown, but whatever. I didn't think so either, but... Yeah. He just seemed nerdy. He's a nerdy old school tree photographer. Yeah. And he's actually, he's a lot hotter than he looked in the scene. I thought he looked cute in the scene. But yeah, when I looked him up, like his like professional pictures of him, they're good. He's a cutie. Yeah, for sure. So then we get a brief montage of Carrie versus Amy. (laughs) 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 And how they spend their time. Carrie is busy lifestyle managing and going around for clients and doing things. And Amy's getting her hair done. 
I have a lot to say about Amy getting her hair done. I um, want to know, obviously. So Amy says she knows a lot about hair. And no. I, yeah. Amy doesn't know jack shit about hair. First of all, <laughs> her hairdresser is being a greedy little bitch and doing her a disservice by letting her get her hair blown out four times a week. Like, you should get, wash your hair twice a week, max. Like, yeah. maybe she could come in for, like, a little bit of a touch-up without getting it wet again. Um, they And she's had, the weird thing is, the shampoo they were using on her is the Brazilian blowout shampoo. And yeah. there's no way she's had a Brazilian blowout because she wants all this body. I don't know, that whole thing was weird. I doubt she has frizzy hair. Um, her hair is yellow straw. And the fact that they were flat ironing it was making me cry. I'm like, that is your, it's crunch. Like one good, if someone sneezes in the wrong direction, that hair's just going to break off and fall on the floor. <laughs> and the only thing she was right about is that damaged hair does hold curl better, but it also is like a frizzy mess. Like it's not, I, she, yeah, she doesn't know about hair. It's awful. I don't like it's, I just want to hold her down and low light it and tone it. Like it's bad. It's just bad. Yeah. It, it looks uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> like, it looks kind of painful. I mean, so, but who gets, who goes in and gets a blowout every other day? Four times a week is, it's more than every other day. Like, that's someone, insane. Someone who doesn't have enough to do. And her poor hairdresser thinks she has to talk to her four times a week for an hour. I'd I kill know. myself. Yeah. So, we see Liz have dinner with her dad next, and... At Sarah Beth's. At Sarah Beth's in Tribeca. And that location, there are three, but the Tribeca location is temporarily closed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this seems like kind of sad, but I think everyone has had a meal with a parent like this too, where things are just like not clicking. And especially a parent that, you know, lives in a different city than you or like any relative really. But Liz is clearly sad and kind of wants to make a bigger splash with her dad and post rehab and how busy he is with his own stuff. It, they just seem a little cold and distant. I really felt for her in this. Yeah. Um, and do we know how, has she, how long has she been out of rehab? Has she been out of rehab for four years? I don't or know. It, she, she said 19. She got referencing 19, but she's 24, which would lead me to believe that she's been out of rehab for five years. But I also was getting, because sometimes when people, and myself included, um, who've been a disaster area, like once you are no longer a disaster area, you want everyone on board right away. Like it, just because you haven't been a disaster area for a month, you think everyone should be like, oh, you see me, I'm fine, I know I'm fine. But it takes the other people in your life sometimes a long time to trust you again and come around. So if it's been five years, that's way too long and her dad should have come around by now. But if she's only been out of rehab for a year or so, it makes a little more sense why he's being so cautiously reserved about things. Yeah. The other thing that was interesting was she said that she hasn't heard I love you in 10 years. That was sad. But that was when she was 14, which is well before her drug issues. I know. So that didn't really track either. I know. And she said that she's just not his favorite girl anymore. That really made me sad. Like yeah. that was like a, oh, that's sad. Yeah. But it's interesting because in the earlier scene with her mother, her mom says that her dad talks about Liz all the time, but Liz says he doesn't do it to me. Yeah. You know, like he will tell other people about how his daughter is in art school and talented and blah, 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 but he doesn't say it to her. Now the parents are divorced, right? I think so, but they still seem yeah, friendly. I guess they talk all the time. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, 
But she also asks if they're going to go on a vacation anytime soon as a family. And he says that he's too busy. But in that article that I read with the two of them that came out last year, they actually do travel as a family. And one of their favorite things to do is to go to new countries and absorb the art there and all that kind of stuff together. Awesome. I mean, I'm glad that they've worked it out and that they're not in this place anymore, that they're in a much better place. That makes me happy. Yeah, me too. So then we have to hang out with Angela and her quote unquote gaze again. But there's a new, I don't know if the other one is gay actually, so I stand corrected. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if Ben is gay. And she didn't make any egregious, terrible gay comments this time. So That's I was true. a little relieved. Um, so I want to know how she keeps getting people to bring her coffee. First, Alex brought her a coffee and this time Ben brought her a coffee. Well, Alex confuses me because he lives in her building. Like Ben makes sense because he came over from somewhere and maybe there's like a coffee place downstairs on the first floor, like on the street somewhere. Yeah. Um, and she's just like, pick me up someone you come over. But Alex must have had to leave the building, get it and come back. So that was more impressive. Yeah. Still, I want someone bringing me coffee. Well, you know um, what? If you get on a reality show yeah. and it gets me on TV, I will bring you coffee every time the cameras are there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You can become my dog walker too. You can just like jack of all trades here. There you go. Um, so, of course, Alex comes over, too, and um, Angela comments on his sweater, and he says, yeah, I look like Mr. Rogers today. They mean Cosby. It's a Cosby sweater. It's 100% a Cosby sweater. It's not a Mr. Rogers sweater Mr. at all. Mr. Rogers wore a red cardigan, everyone. Cardigan, yeah. Oh, my God. And then Angela says it looks like a Christmas sweater or something. Like, no, it's Cosby. It's Cosby. Yeah. You're not finding the right word. You are correct. So she is talking to her friends about this art show that she wants to put on. She says, how will this show establish me as a photographer slash it girl? Gross, gross, gross. So then they, they decide that the venue really has to be like the best part. It has to be a place that people really like and can have fun. It's got to have a good guest list, but the venue is the most critical. The art is actually the least important. That's what they yeah. say. And then they said it should be an intimate thing. And she says, I don't want it to be intimate. I want it to be packed. It's like, okay, well, you're basically asking to be successful already. Just calm down. And they ask her how many pieces she's going to have. And she says eight to 10. That's I was a little surprised by that. Also a little surprised that she doesn't have eight to 10 pieces already worthy of display. Correct. So then they review the pieces that she has and they decide that she needs to shoot more, that she doesn't have enough. And she complains that she doesn't have time. We're all just so busy right now. Well, then why are you doing the show right now? If and you if don't you send have it all of your free time doing photography and it's digital. So you have it all on a computer on a hard drive somewhere. Shouldn't you have thousands of pictures, literally thousands of pictures to choose from? Yeah. I don't get it. And then, you know, her, and I liked the picture of Alex. I thought it was cool. Yeah. Like I'm going to delete that. Like I thought it was actually cool and interesting looking. Well, and her friend gives her honest feedback. He says some are really good and some could be better. Yeah. I think, you know, if you're going to do a show, you need to shoot more. And she is just like, she, her feelings are hurt and she's like kind of mad about it. Oh, see, I didn't take it like that. I didn't think, I thought that she was appreciative of his criticism because she said, she's like, I'm going to go out and take better pictures. This has really kind of lit a fire under my ass. I mean, she didn't say it in those words, but that was my takeaway from it. But then in her confessional, she says like, I, I had him come over because I thought it'd make me feel better and I feel worse now. Yes. But I mean, I felt like she felt worse, but you know, realize that he was right and that she should, you know, do something about it. 
I don't know, but she acted inconvenienced about having to go take photos, and it's apparently her her greatest passion. So, then, end of century is having a trunk show. Mm-hmm. And Amy and Carrie show up, and Carrie brings her friend, Smith, friend and hairdresser. And this is where I have a lot to say, because I screamed, text you at midnight as I was watching this, I'm sure you were asleep. Um, I was actually once in a hair class in New York with Smith. Tell me all about it. Um, well, there's not a ton to tell. Um, he obviously, he stands out. That's why I remember. I mean, first of all, the name's Smith. It's not just like Joe or Bob. And um, he wasn't dressed quite as outrageously in this class, but he was a presence, let's just say. Um, I was at the, um, the Wella Institute in New York, which is where I take classes. And um, he was in a color class I was taking. It was a creative color class. And um, he was crazy and fun and like really nice. And a bunch of us went out for drinks afterwards and he was there. So, I mean, it's not like I know him, know him. He would know me for Adam. And um, if she hadn't said hairstylist and the name, like if I just saw him, I don't think I would have put it together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's my little connection to this episode. Yeah. And he seems like a lot of fun to go out with. I'm not going. He was a lot of fun to go out with. We had a great time. We um we all went to the cock. It was a lot of fun. Nice. So we should describe what he's wearing to this event because people seem you know he makes he makes a statement for sure. But he, he does, and this is where and I'm going to give Amy a pass because I think she's too Upper East Side like blue bud to understand the nuances of gay culture. But she calls him a drag queen, which he yeah. is not. No, he's um, not. He's gender bending. Um, he, so he was wearing like a, was it a fur or a feather vest? Yeah, faux fur vest. Um, and a skirt, but almost like a kilt. It was like a kilt skirt combo. Yeah. Um, a little bit of eye makeup, but nothing really, um, you know, but just half naked, but as a boy. Like, I mean, you know, he yeah. wasn't wearing like a fake breastplate or anything. Yeah. Um, so just like a gender bender. Yeah. I don't know. So she, Amy gets along with him and seems to like his company, but she called him a drag queen. And I was like, mm, no, Amy, yeah. no. Um, so even the end of century girls are raising their eyebrows at him. And who do they like? Thank you. Thank you. Because <laughs> I, I mean, this is what I'm like, he should be right in their alley. Like, yes. Their wheelhouse. I'm like, this is, this is Williamsburg. This is quirky. This is eccentric. This is gay. Like this checks all the boxes for yeah. lower side. So yeah. why are you like side-eyeing him? I, I, it made no sense to me at all. Well, and is he too chipper? Is he too like happy for you? Is that the problem? I think purely because he was with Carrie and Amy. It was a hundred percent because he was with Carrie and Amy. If yeah. he just popped in on his own, they would have thought he was great. Yeah. And I have a feeling it was directed probably more towards Amy than Carrie, but still. It's, it was, it's just, they're such assholes to everyone who comes into their store. I don't understand it. So, but then Chantal earned a point in my book again when it came to the store because she says she had an epiphany, which, whatever, to set up a sales station at the trunk show. And how did they not have a sales station at the store before? I don't understand that. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. These girls have no business acumen whatsoever, and it is hard to watch. How did someone purchase something before? I don't well, know. Did she mean, because I think before they did have like a register, didn't they? They have that like counter where the TV is. I just assumed Me too. that was the register. Me too. So she I said, don't. She said, how did it take so long? 
And I said, good fucking question in my notes. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's mind boggling. And Claudia's parents should just be weeping in an alley somewhere because they're never getting their money back. This These girls do not know how to run a business. It is hard to watch. Yeah. And then they do make some sales um, at the store, but none of it is the artwork. And Chantal says that she's embarrassed for Claudia and she wonders if Claudia is cut out for this. Um, I hate to say it, but I'm beginning to wonder the same thing. I know. Claudia is just like standing around drinking, like push some art on people. And Laura magically appears again for three seconds and she's the one taking the money. Like, I guess so she, I didn't realize, I guess that she's not a part of the show. No, she's not. Which is kind of interesting given that she's their third partner, but whatever. Yeah. I know. Uh, and we get a brief scene of Liz after this and Bobby. Oh her, God, her, and her art. Yeah, and her boyfriend, and they're hanging her art in her apartment. Um, first of all, that nurse picture looked like some kind of mashup between the insane clown posse and Harley Harley Quinn. I don't. It was real ugly. I don't. I. It was not good at all. Um, the flowers were fine. I thought the flower picture was fine. It, it is what it is. Um, I don't think that she's that great of an artist. Um, again, this is coming from someone with world market art on their walls, so I don't really have room to judge. Um, but what I will say is why are you hanging art on the walls when you could just have Bobby standing on a pedestal naked in your living room? Like he is fucking hot as shit. I would not be wasting time with any goddamn art. He would be naked all the time if he was at my house and we would just be doing it 24 seven. Like I don't, what a waste, what a waste of a super hot guy. <laughs> she should get into photography and take nudes maybe. Of him, a hundred percent. I would buy a coffee table book of that. So I'm not going to lie, the, you see the dude's arm in one of her Instagrams? It could be Bobby, but I don't you think, think so. I don't know. It, it looks like a beefy dude arm with hair on it. Like a pretty hairy arm. Oh, that could be anybody. I know. Bobby. I didn't get the impression that Bobby was super rich. I don't know what I'm basing that on in the like three seconds that I've seen him. But I don't know. He just didn't scream like private jet Texas to me. So Maybe he is now, though. Oh, yeah, maybe. True. That's very true. You're right. We can pretend it's Bobby just for fun. So in the final scene of the episode, we have to stomach Eli Klein again. And oh, but I got so excited. I got so excited. I didn't know that baby Jane Holzer was going to be in this. I was so excited. Yep. And there you go. Jane Holzer stops by the gallery and, of course, knows Liz through her dad. Of course. And... Eli and Liz give Jane a tour while Maggie has to stuff envelopes in like a closet. And refill the dog bowl water again. Like this is secretary. This is secretary. He is yeah. playing mind games. It's gross and disgusting. He's a horrible rancid person. And I hope he gets run over by a bus. I cannot stand him. Yeah. He asks in front of Jane for Maggie to fill the dog bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's not nice. How many dogs walk by that gallery? How many, like, that we have to rush right out and fill up the dog bowl? This second, how many New York City dogs would die of thirst if Eli Klein didn't have a bowl of water in front of his cat? It makes me nuts. I don't know. And also the way she fills the dog bowl really drives me nuts, too. <laughs> well, but like, what choices she has? It won't fit underneath the, the pull and spring thing. I know, but you fill a bottle and then you bring it outside and you just pour it into the dog bowl. Oh, you mean because she's bringing the bowl inside? I, I yes. bet Eli makes her. I bet that's part of the torture. Yeah, well. 
Anyway, so then Maggie, under her breath at the very end of the episode, just says, I can't stand him for another second. And agreed. Yeah, same. Same girl. Same. Yeah. <laughs> um, I But Jane was amazing. I loved that when Eli was just pontificating and bragging that she completely cut him down to si- size and was like, oh, if you do say so yourself. Um, and then I loved when she was talking um, with the girls and um, Maggie was talking about all her studying and she was like, oh, I just studied boys. Yeah. Like, I love her. I thought you would like that. <laughs> I was excited. As someone who used to be, well, I guess I kind of still into Warhol, but like I read the Warhol Diaries and I went through a period where I like was really, really, really into him. So this was exciting for me. Oh, nice. Well, good. That's a good scene to end on then. Yes. And next episode, we get Ooh, a lot. Maggie's birthday. Uh, Spencer and his Asian fetish is talked about. Um, and you and- get slapped. Yes, Angela's show seems to start falling apart before it even comes together. And Amy approaches Liz about why Liz has been so cold to her. And Liz lets her have it. She sure does. She sure does. Um, So that's it for this one. We want to wish all of you a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Holidays, um, Happy New Year. We um, won't be coming to you again until the New Year. Um, so we hope that all of you have an amazing rest of this year, if that's possible in these times. And here's looking forward to 2021 and better days ahead. Thanks for listening to another episode of One Hit Wonderful. You can find us online on Twitter and Instagram at OneHitPod. You can email us at franklymarebb at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nana's Mink. And you can find me on Twitter at HeyIt'sMareB. Please remember to rate and subscribe. And have a great week, guys. We'll talk to you soon.